Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Hi everyone, welcome to our new look Rider on the Road. As you can see, we're playing around with our introduction and having a little bit of fun doing it. Uh, my instructor tells me that we may have to redo it on the weekend, but for now, uh, enjoy the pesky. We had a bit of fun with the pesky as well. Uh, as you can see, we're transitioning from our year of living creatively into our year of writing excellence, and we're really, really excited about that. You can get your free download at www.rideronthered.com forward slash voices. In 2018, we're doubling down on our writing excellence. We think that's where we have come to sit, and we're pretty, pretty excited about that. Uh, we have already over 20 products for our Young Scholars programs, uh, and they're adding up every day as we come up with more excuses to have fun with our kids. And now we're kicking off a long-held dream of mine, which is writing excellence programs for adults. We're starting off with the Voices in Your Head uh, story writing course, which we'll be promoting up until Christmas and kicking off in January. So if you know anyone or yourself or someone or your cat or your dog who wants to do a writing program in 2018 please pop over and have a look it's going to be lots and lots of fun and as I said we do this all the time with our young scholars and now it's time to do it with our grown-ups uh, this will be supported by my book uh, do you have a story to tell and a specially recorded series of podcasts on the writing journey now it's just taken us half an hour to get that little front blurb of writer on the road happening so I can't wait to see how long it's going to record how long it's going to take us to record the podcast series but all good fun and we've got all summer to play around with it uh, other changes are my new dedicated teaching learning website we'll have all our uh, products all our courses uh, lots of free stuff coming up as we kick into getting serious about this um, please pop over have a look um, and if you pop back you'll find that there's new stuff happening every day uh, Sam coming onto the business officially now this is the best news that I've been waiting to share with you all year Sam has finished all the schooling now and so as her uh, gift I'm making her my business partner I'm not sure that she's so happy about that because that means she's got to do all the work uh, she'll be running a theatre script writing workshops uh, courses for young scholars and she'll be uh, writing and publishing her own body of work as well which is really exciting uh, as I said to her, I'm blessed and honoured that she's even a small part of, of my business and that I'm allowed to be a small part of her journey. Most of you know Sam now, most of you know Liz as well. Uh, so they will be continuing on onwards and upwards in the writing journey with me. Now, other changes around our blog, which will be weekly, I promise. I've been promising that for a year and I've never managed it. Our newsletter, uh, a fully planned podcast program for 2018, focusing on both Australian and international authors. Uh, I've been neglecting the poor old podcast of late as we've been trying to survive and get everything up and running uh, but I really want to double down on the podcast and make sure it's the best it can be in 2018. Hence the attempt at the new intro, uh, hence bringing Sam in as a business partner and also there'll be a few other little changes around the podcast as, as we move into 2018. To kick off our brand new series and our brand new season and our brand new everything I've got the most beautiful woman in the world to help me do that, it's Annie Seaton. Annie, uh, thank you for being part of our, our new look uh, podcast and we're looking at work-life balance. Now anyone who's followed the podcast, they know that Annie is a prolific writer and for the last five years she's been getting her business up and writing and her three standalone books, Kakadu, Kakadu Daintree and 
Diamond Sky have all done amazingly well and she's working into 2018 to release I know there's two more books that she mentioned she's also got her her series books and I remember one of them was Prickle Creek she's got her cowboy um, books coming out I think she's just released a new one but you'll hear more about that on the podcast if you haven't met Annie Seaton before she's one of our foremost uh, I guess contemporary women writers sit back listen to episode 93 of Writer on the Road and we're fast approaching episode 100 Today I am back in my favourite place in the whole wide world. I am back in Annie Seatonville. Annie Seaton, good afternoon. Hi Mel, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. She said welcome. I'm always welcome. I know where she lives. All right, Annie, we have talked books, we have talked schools, we have talked writing, we have talked everything under the sun. Today I want to get down and serious. I want to talk to you about work-life balance and how your journey has brought you to the point where not only you are a successful writer, but you're a very successful writer in your own skin. Uh, So I'm going to throw over to you now and let you talk a little bit about your journey. Okay, now I'm just sitting here thinking, will I start at the beginning or will I start at the end and work backwards? Let's start where I am now. It's taken me almost seven years to get to a place where I, what's the word I'm trying to think of, where I practice my craft very thoughtfully and very carefully. At the moment, I am a hybrid author. I have three books in the stores with Pan Macmillan. I have um, about seven books self-published, including one that's just come out this week. And that, again, is part of my journey. I'll tell you about that process because it's very different to how I've done it other times. And I've got crumbs, probably about 20 books with... um, Oh, no, probably about 13 books with um, digital publishers in the US. So at the moment, I've learned very much what I prefer, what I enjoy doing, and implementing the balance that makes it all work. So my day at the moment is hit the computer at 7.30, spend an hour or two, maybe three sometimes, checking email, blogs, the evils of Facebook and Twitter, but necessary evils, I must say, and then thinking about where I will be with my writing that day. Now, where I prefer to be is in my single title books where I tell very complicated stories. Um, The past three have had a bit of an environmental theme. The upcoming ones, the one that is now complete has very much a theme of growth and the one that is in my head and that I'm itching to get out is about grief. So I've come a long way from my little holiday affairs and my little winter of the passion flower seven years ago. My writing has depth Now, not saying that it didn't have a degree of depth for the sorts of things I was writing back then because I'm still writing those stories um, on the side. I see those romances as my work. 
I'm writing the fourth one in a series at the moment and I have to make myself sit down and write them of a day because they're contracted and I suppose they're my bread and butter at the moment. But the single titles that I'm writing are the place that I want to be. They're the, the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about, um, the direction they're going in, what I'm trying to say, and then the craft that I've learned over the last seven years really helps me to get those deeper messages and deeper stories out there. So I suppose the balance is my, my day is comprised of marketing, writing the stories or getting to write the stories that I'm wanting to write, writing my shorter romances because that's a market that I've got and contracts that I've signed. And then also um, at the moment about half of my day is taken up with my freelance editing business too. So there's a lot to do. So it's getting that balance. Yeah. What I do now, if I can just say how I balance it and something that I've never done before these past six months is spend a lot of time in the garden, more time walking the dog on the beach and not letting that part of my real life go, which for the first six years there was very much of no eggs in the personal basket, if you know that analogy. So, yeah, I, I've, 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 I've got a thoughtful balance now of what I have to do and what I want to do and the leisure time that goes with it. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to bring our listeners in here, Annie, because I think I think this is what we really want to talk about today is uh, now Annie and I were talking before the podcast about how the pressures of publishing and publishing often and publishing quickly overtake your sanity at at those very early stages and you tend to push 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 far harder than you should and you being the alpha female and being the very very high achiever that you are pick that up and run with it and I, you and I've had several conversations now where I just sit back and go wow how do you do that all so I'm, I'm hearing you now talk about gardening and walking and she does have a, have a husband in there everybody she just forgot <laughs> to mention him he drives he he tours the caravan uh how hard one is that balance? It's hard because, as you say, I'm an A-type personality, very high achiever, okay, got to get straight to the top, got to be the best. But I think I finally accepted, as my husband, who you've just mentioned, keeps saying to me, but are you happy with what you're doing? That is the key. It doesn't matter if you don't get 75 books written this year as long as you're enjoying it and happy doing it. So that's very much a verbal balance that I have living in the house with me. Um, but that being said, while I do have the balance, I did sit down yesterday and think, okay, what am I going to do next year? And before I knew it, I'd written down all the books that I want to write next year. And then I added up the words and it came to 440,000 words and I uh, you know, last year, the year before, I would have got, okay, right, head down, do it. Now I think, nah, if I do that, the garden's going to be ignored again, the dog's not going not to get walked, and maybe we won't have time to do that trip to wherever I research the next book because I'm, I'm saying, no, 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 I have to be at the desk because, you know, when you're writing that many books, as well as writing them, you've got the edits coming in at the same time. Um, you've got the marketing, the publicity. Like one day last week, um, 
I had set myself 5,000 words for the day of this um, romance that I'm writing at the moment. But I got in a publicity sheet for the romance that's coming out in January. I got a cover form. I got the final edits for the book before that. So there's all of these other things that go with putting out a book. And when you're with a publisher, yep, okay, it's please we want this form back in 48 hours and it's not, oh, I'll put this aside for three weeks and publish at my leisure. You do, you have contracted to deliver within their time frame and you know of course you want to because you want to get your books out as quickly as you can but I've learned now to say no which I hadn't done before I think I'm now in a position and I've got the confidence that I can say no that doesn't sit comfortably with me or that doesn't fit into my schedule so can we negotiate that whereas you know when you when you're beginning and making your mark you go yes 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 I'll do that I'll do that and I think sometimes you end up writing things that aren't really your true voice you're bowing to what the market wants you're agreeing to produce for the publisher what they think will sell and I think as part of my journey that's one very strong thing that comes out for me at the moment is that I now write what I want to write and I write in my voice and yes of course I listen to the editorial comments and suggestions because you know they, they polish polish your words and um, they make them as best as they can but my stories and particularly the level of romance and it's very timely because only about 15 minutes ago I put a post up on Facebook saying if you like your romances, steamy, um, grab these three first early affairs books of mine because they're going down next week. They have been rewritten as a sweet romance with lovely new covers because that's what my voice is and that's where I write comfortably and the publisher agreed to that. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I've become much more vocal politely because I am polite <laughs> in what I want and what I think is best for my career. And that's I'm, I'm making notes here, everybody, as I always do. Uh, having that power, um, being a hybrid author, being able to let the traditional publishers know that this is what you want, that's come over time. And now that you're in that position where you can say what you want, does that mean you're going to have more time with your single title books? No, I think I'm still – I've got some – early um, self-published books that I started writing series and I've got lots of readers email me saying when's book three coming of the, the little steampunk series um, you know and I have people that still tell me that that very first book of mine Winter of the Passion Flower is still their most favorite book of mine and you know that's something I didn't I knew nothing about writing when I wrote that but I think essentially it's a good story and people like the story uh, so I promised that I write book three in that series next year I wrote a little book called Beach House uh, Beach House yeah Beach House only 25,000 words about three years ago and it's just a lovely little steady seller that plods along it's self-published so I've, I can see when it sells I can do the promo I can change the cover if I want um but I've got people saying oh we want to read the, the there was three three friends in it we want to read can remember their names now um we want to read the other girls stories and the stories are in my head and I think 
that's often, again, part of the journey. I spend so much time thinking about the stories and planning. The stories are finished in my head. They're all there. I know what happens. The process of getting that story down onto the keyboard and out into a story, I sometimes find a bit of a chore. I know what happens. (laughs) The readers want to know now. So I have to be very disciplined. So those next two books in that series I've added to the list for next year, plus um, I've got another two single titles contracted. One's finished and with the publisher, with HarperCollins. The other one I have to write by April and it's in my head. I need to get it down. That's the one about grief. And I've also got the next one brewing. I know where it's going to be. I've started to do some research on shipwrecks, so that one's happening at the same time. But always I have to be conscious, no, work on the current project. Don't get ahead of yourself. So, again, it's that balance of keeping myself on track and keeping myself organised. And, you know, it's just the way I am because when I was a high school principal, I had to be disciplined because I would be working on something and an email would pop in and I'd open it and read it and then I'd be doing something else. And then someone would come in and I'd be multitasking and doing four or five things and maybe more at once. I find that in my writing, I might be checking my email, doing a Facebook post, writing a chapter and editing someone's job as I go along and that's not a good way to work so very calm me new balance yeah now we started this conversation everybody with Annie talking about that new balance and I've just spent five minutes here starting to write things down and going oh no it's all too hard you still have a huge amount on your plate oh I do oh I do but it's balanced it's not um it's not working from 7:30 till 5 every day with maybe getting up to make two cups of coffee through the day um i can give you an example this morning i've spent an hour and a half out in the garden already um here i am leaving my writing to have a lovely interview with um melissa melinda <laughs> what's my name again let me think no, no. i can't remember yeah <laughs> um so yeah i i've i've got from that absolutely passionate put my head down and nobody interrupt me I have to get this done so I can achieve all of this day to a much more leisurely start maybe a little bit later have a lot more breaks through the day and I have weekends off now too I used to work every weekend but now the the weekend is um, mine the other thing I've done is taken up reading I used to be an avid reader, but for the last five years, I read very little because you can't work all the time and read. Um, I've discovered a new author to me in the last six weeks, and I've read 10 of her books, about three inches thick, so I'm doing a lot of reading. Yeah. Now, everybody, I believe that Annie is talking about Erica James. Um, (laughs) I am so good. Uh, I can sticky beak and find things out anyhow. Uh, yeah, but Erica James, when I read that you were reading Erica James' novels, I used to read her, I used to love her, and she's probably one of those women who have been around forever, and she writes those beautiful sagas that I've always loved, I've always been attracted to, and for some reason they went out of fashion there for a while. Mm, a bit like Penny, Penny um, Vincenzi, and Vincenzi and a few of those others. I, I, for some reason, you know, I really believe I've been reincarnated from, I've obviously spent a life living in England 
either in current times or medieval times because for some reason I'm just so drawn to the United Kingdom. When I go there, it's funny, I feel like I'm going home and, you know, I was born here, my parents were both born here, but I have this affinity with cottages in England. My, my last book, Come Back to Me, I just felt like I was living in a rose-coloured rose -covered cottage. Um, so when I find these authors that write about these places that I love to read about, I've just been doing so much reading. And again, you know, as part of your craft and your journey as an author, being a reader and reading and analysing, I suppose, not consciously as you read, but realising what it is about those stories that engages you as a reader and taps into your emotions is also a part of learning your craft. Mm. Now, Penny Vincenzi, everyone has a new novel out. I picked it up the other day when I was somewhere, as I as I do the little clip day that I am. She's always been a favourite of mine, but she she churns a book out every Christmas, um, and I don't know whether that's whether she wants to or not. Uh, and publishes. She, yeah, and she writes big, <laughs> thick books as well, um, and certainly about the glitterati set. She's always got someone mm. famous in there, which is beautiful, very interesting um, research. Is that a future direction for you? I could certainly see how you could achieve those kind of bigger, deeper saga novels that I've always it's, loved. It's interesting because when I first wanted to be an author, you know, back in my teens, 20s, 30s, that is the sort of book, the saga or the, the epic book, is what I thought I would write, you know, and, and probably historical novels set in medieval times. Um, I've got a little bit towards there. My, my next book set in 1943, so <laughs> I've gone back a little way. But, yes, you know, Miss Sharon Penman's, Barbara Erskine's, um, one other, Anya Seaton, all those sorts of books were the book, sorts of epic sagas that I love to read. So that would be an absolute dream for me to, to get one of those written. Again, it's a matter of what the publishers believe the reading public wants and I still find that that's at odds with what I want to write um, and I think that sometimes you know one of the things I'm hearing at the moment and we heard at the RWA is that rural romance is passe you know it's a it's a dying genre the publishers are saying this now you tell that to the thousands of people out there buying those rural romances, the publishers have decided that it's a dying genre, so therefore we won't be contracting as many. And, you know, I, I have um, my old US publishers that say, no, no, you know, your reading demographic is the 18 to 35-year-olds. Well, no, it's not. My Facebook ads, when I, I advertise my sweet romances, I'm surprised that, you know, 40% of the people that look at the ads are 65 plus. Now, that's not in their 18 to 35 demographic. That's why I now have not rediscovered, probably insisted that the voice that I write in is the voice that my readers like and that's the voice that I will be staying in. Yeah, and I look, I... I hope that sagas do come back into fashion because I'm sick of reading. I love uh, Diana Galbaugh. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, I, I do love those. And I'm not a big time travel uh, reader, but I notice your new one out is Time Travel, Come Back to Me. Yes. Um, yeah. Yesterday, the day before? Uh, Tuesday. What's today? Yeah, day before yeah. yesterday. Yes. Yep. 
already top selling, already up there right at the top of the Kindle? It got to number two in the hot releases on the Kindle and because I'm now exploring different things, it's the very first time that I've stepped outside of the bounds of Amazon with my self-published books. I did a lot of research and I have managed to get it up on Kobo and iTunes and um, Barnes and & Noble and I was very pleased to see that I sold quite a few copies on iTunes yesterday. That's a first and um, it's just researching the market and listening to the conference um, sessions I went to about where people buy books in Australia and doing it a little bit more thoughtfully rather than rush, tear and bust, whip it up to Amazon and move on to the next one. Rush, tear and bust. bust. Mm. Talk yes. to, talk me through that. I love that expression. I'm writing that down. Rush, tear and bust. What does that mean to me and my oh, listeners? Haven't you heard of rush, tear and bust? That's the way I used to live my life. I haven't I haven't lived. <laughs> Everything I mean, drives my family crazy. Everything has to be done yesterday. I get an idea it's got to be done now. There's none of this thoughtful let's think it through or do it. So I'm very consciously thinking things through now rather than bang, bang, bang. I don't know how long it'll last to be truthful. <laughs> I love it. I hope it lasts long enough till you write me that saga. I want one. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I've got um, with Sundays, which still hasn't got a title that's out next August. I've got Undara that's out um, the year after. I've got Wellington Rock that's out the year after that that's not contracted yet, but I'm hoping it will be. And then maybe the saga after that. <laughs> Where's Wellington Rock's? Wellington Rock is at Nambucca Heads. I knew I knew it. <laughs> yes, and there's been quite a few shipwrecks there and I've got uh, there's a beautiful old cemetery just on the hill out to the lookout with all the graves from the 1890s and um, I've already had a bit of a wander around and looked up some shipwrecks and the stories just brewing there. Won't have to go far to research that one. It's within walking distance of my front door. <laughs> no caravan needed. Yeah, now Annie, uh, Fiona, uh, Fiona... McCarver and I are going down to Southwest Rocks to to talk shipwrecks because that's down where Trial Harbour is and there's all shipwrecks there. So we are going to call it a research trip, Annie. And I believe I'm coming too. Yeah, that's what I said. Me, you, and you, me, and Fiona yeah, could yeah. get could get very interesting. <laughs> we might podcast live. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, getting back to to writing and the business side of writing, trying to create that balance. Um, everyone, remember, it's um, 2018, the year of the journey for us. Uh, it's very, very difficult for those of us at the beginning of the journey to sort out our business side and our writing side. Now, even as you talk to me through your day and the things that you have and how it's calmer now and you go to the garden as well, you've still got a very hectic, um, I guess, marketing schedule. Mm, I think one of the very best things that I did and for aspiring authors out there, I've even I, I had so many people ask me about this strategy that I used early on I'd get emails, I'd have people ring me and I'd say it over and over again and a friend of mine said to me, you should write a book about that. So I wrote it all down in a day. It's only, oh, I think it's about 60 pages, but it was so easy because it's what I do in the day. It's my Facebook, my Twitter, um, my blogs, my email, setting up a web page and I went through it systematically about, what I saw as very important before I was even published and 
I've got people that say to me, well, I can't have a web page. I'm not a, a published author. And I said, you can still have a web page and talk about what you're researching, about your works in process, about what you believe about writing, how, why you're a writer. So I had actually established my brand about oh, crumbs eight months before my first book was published. And I was starting to get hits on my website. Um I think marketing just came naturally to me. It's because I think I'm very interested in people. I like to know how things work. I'm very curious about how the world works. So I was curious to see how you got your book selling. And I did lots of reading of blogs. I looked at lots of authors that were successful. And I thought, well, there's no point putting my first book out digitally if no one's ever heard of me. So I created, I had to think of a pen name and that's how Annie Seaton was born, sitting up in my living room one day thinking, oh, who am I going to be? I need to make a website. In hindsight, I don't know whether I would have chosen a different name if I'd known that I was going to be successful um, because, you know, you sit there creating a website and think, oh, okay, I went through all the surnames on the internet and I thought, well, I'll stay Anne because it'd be awful to go to a conference and someone call out, hey, Genevieve, and you're not going to turn around. <laughs> so um, Annie comes from my actual name, Anne, and I think more people call me Annie now than do call me Anne. And um, Seaton came from living in my town by the sea which will be very lovely when I do write my shipwreck book in my town by the sea. And it was also, I think, a little bit subconscious because someone asked me one day whether I was Anya Seaton, S-E-T-O-N. And I thought, well, isn't that funny? Because Anya Seaton is one of my very favourite authors and it was just coincidental that Annie in her town by the sea came to sound very much like Anya Seaton. But establishing that brand, establishing that pen name, setting up websites, blogs, Twitter accounts, um, Facebook business pages um, and all those sorts of things is all time consuming. Now, once you set them up, you've also got to do something with them every day. There's no point having them sitting there. And um, I did see something on Facebook the other day. A well-known author asked, why should I like other authors' web pages? How does it help them? And I thought, well, it does help them because, it, you know, even if you're a beginning author, if you create your business page and get hundreds and hundreds and hopefully thousands or thousands of likes, you then go to a traditional publisher and they'll say, well, you know, what's your social media presence like? And you say, well, hey, I've got 5,500 followers on my business page on Facebook. I have 4,000 Twitter followers. And they're going, oh, this person is going to be seen out there. Okay, your book's got to be good. Your manuscript have to, has to be um, well edited, well written, a great story. But I think that social media will often tip it over. Now, I've got lots of clients who've written fabulous, fabulous books, books that I love. One in particular, um, a friend of mine in the UK, I edited the book for her. Her pen name is Samantha Darling. The book is called Time. It's one of the best books I have ever read. It's it's just powerful, um, wonderful, wonderful book. Can't get a publisher to pick it up. Not a lot of you know, no, not a lot of social media presence. Um, oh no, that's a bit sad for what we want. But an amazing book. So 
I think rather than just depending on the luck of the draw of getting picked up by a publisher, you have to position position yourself very much so in terms of the evils of social media. And it is because it's so time-consuming and it's so tempting to get out there and think, oh, what are people saying on Facebook? Who's put up a picture of a kitten today? Or what's that purple tree that Annie Seaton put up this morning and has already had about 50 likes on it? Um, and you've also got to have that balance on social media of not putting up your books all the time saying, look at my book, look at my book, buy my book, buy my book, which I tend to be a bit guilty of. But that's Annie Seaton, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I can hide behind that brash author. But, you know, essentially the, those Facebook and Twitter and blog presence, the presence is there, they're, they're for marketing. So, you know, I suppose, you know, if you put up a picture of a nice jacaranda or a particularly cute dog, it's showing people that you're human. Yeah. And thinking, oh, I wonder what her book's like. <laughs> yeah, now to backtrack for our international listeners, everybody, it's November here in Australia. The jacaranda trees are absolutely beautiful. You can actually link Annie's uh, jacaranda tree to her purple tree. They're one and the same thing. Uh, now, I've, I need to unpack an awful lot of what you've talked about, Annie, and I've made notes copiously, but I need you to stop right there. Your 60-page booklet uh, that a lot of us would be dying to get our hands on because it's the nuts and bolts. What do you do once you've written this thing? How do you get it up on Amazon? How do you market it? How do you organise your social media? I'm assuming that's what you mean this 60-page booklet is yeah. that, that you've just written as a one-day, um, uh, yeah. I guess, symposium. Uh, how I do things. How I do things, yeah, yeah, okay. It's got a chapter on Facebook. It's got a chapter on Twitter. It's got a chapter on a blog. It's got a, it's got a, a paragraph on how do you pick a pen name? How do I do a website? Who do I use to upload it? I've also um, got a chapter on all of the um, obsessive compulsive stuff that I'm guilty of, like um, seeing how many people visit your website every day, which is very useful when you do an ad and you can say, okay, well, I did that ad and 50 people visited it after that ad. So that sort of validates yep. that it is worth doing. Um, I can't even think now. It's, it's called Promotional Tips and Tricks for aspiring authors okay and where do we get it um, it's on amazon but i think um i uh, now that i've stopped dropped out of kdp select which is probably a chapter i should write in the book i have rewritten it three times too it's not the original book that i wrote because the market is so dynamic and what you do changes so much every time things change i've rewritten it and updated it so it's probably due to be updated again now which i might go upstairs and do after we finish and upload it and see if i can get it on itunes too <laughs> yeah and those sort of little books they're good because people can they're very practical things you can pull them down it's what we want as writers we don't want to spend the time uh doing it and it would take us twice as long as it takes you annie so we're happy for you to do that for us the other mm -hmm. thing that i'm noticing is that i I'm doing a little Facebook course with a lady here in Brisbane, Take 10 Social Media, and she's changed it to social media for businesses because everyone's desperate to get and understand what goes on in social media. The trouble is every time she goes and puts up a new module, and this is within weeks, the, Facebook, the Facebook dynamic changes again. I had um, 
oh, probably 12 messages on my, um, and this is on my young, um, what do you call it, academic scholars page, Story Slingers. I had 10 messages today and I always check them just in case it's someone who wants me. And they were all from Facebook telling me that I had to promote this and promote that and pay them money and pay them money. And there was 10 of the things. And I thought, yeah. my mm. page has been hijacked by mm. Facebook trying to make more money out of me. It's interesting you should say that. I was just having a conversation with a fellow author yesterday. Um, Facebook is my biggest marketing tool. But yesterday I didn't. I mean, I when I added up how much money I'd spent on how much money I'd spent on Facebook advertising um, with the release of my last couple of books, I shivered and I thought, no, no more, no more. You know, you, you do have an advertising budget, but because I'm not organised and as I said, I'm Mrs. Rush Chair and Bust. I go, I do an ad here, I do an ad there, instead of being structured and analytical and working it all out. Um, but I thought, okay, I'll stop. So I had quite a run of ads over the past two or three weeks uh, because I had the two cowboy books out, Her Outback Cowboy and Her Outback Surprise. Now, that being said, it has worked. Her Outback Surprise is still number two in Westerns on Amazon Australia and it's been out for five weeks now and it's still in the top 200 books. But I've put a lot of work into advertising that. So about... Three or four days ago, I thought, okay, enough's enough. I'm not going to do any more advertising for, you know, six months or so. What followed very closely on the heels of that, that any post I did yesterday was not seen by anybody and got no likes, which is scary. You spend money, you get reaction, you get results, you stop spending everything stops. Now, that wasn't only on the business page, that was also on my personal profile page. I put up a couple of things and I asked the author that I was talking to and she said, no, I didn't see anything come through on your feed yesterday at all. Yeah. So, you know, that's another chapter I need to write in my promotional book. <laughs> yeah, and I was at a conference on the weekend, everybody, and they're talking about top tier and second tier Facebook now. So the top tier goes to all the businesses who pay and the second tier goes to the rest of us who are there because it's a good way of um, keeping in touch and enjoying each other's journeys. And I'm going to suggest that Facebook may no longer be the favourite of our readers if that continues because yeah. it's, that's oh, what the readers like. I agree. Um, you know, it, it's a, a way of keeping in touch. Now, while we're talking about that, and it's another um, chapter that I need to go back to my little book and update, is newsletters. I have moved away from the newsletter provider, the newsletter software that I was using because it was just getting too expensive. Like it's a monthly fee. I mean, it doesn't sound much. I think it was $35 US, but you convert that to Australian dollars. That's $50 a month for 12 months of the year. That's an awful lot of money to have some software to send a newsletter out. So I changed to a cheaper one. And again, my friend I was having quite a good marketing discussion with yesterday. Um, my first newsletter I sent out, oh, I think I had 3,200 subscribers and I sent out the first newsletter saying, look, you know, I'm sorry if you had unsubscribed from this previously, but, you know, I've changed software, so blah, blah, blah. Here's my newsletter, lots of giveaways, lots of chatty news, and I had something like 300 unsubscribes. Now, my newsletter goes out. I've had professional advice from my publishers, marketing um, in 
America to say, okay, what makes a good newsletter? They've given me step-by-step step of how to do a great newsletter, so I followed that for the last two newsletters. Yesterday, or Tuesday's newsletter, I actually managed to get as many clicks on links as I did on unsubscribes. So my unsubscribes are my biggest links at the, clicks at the moment. And I think, why are we sending out newsletters? Do you know, do you read newsletters? No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody, I don't, and they come in every day. Uh, That's because you're an author and a podcaster. Now, what if you're just a run-of-the-mill reader who likes hearing from authors? Would you read your newsletter then or would you go to their Facebook page? That's what we have to figure out. If the Facebook page is no longer accessible, maybe newsletters will have a resurgence. Yeah, I've got to admit it's an interesting conversation to have, Annie, because I'm looking at it as as even my business pages as I ramp them up. Uh, I want the readers there. I want the customers there. And I'm wondering whether Facebook's shooting itself in the foot by scaring away the very customers that we're all trying to attract and we're all going to end up with just a bunch of business people running around in circles. Exactly, like Amazon, you know, how many authors have been peed off by the direction that Amazon's going and how many of these Facebook posts you read where everyone's had their books taken off ranks and all their reviews taken down because they've been accused of being a click farm person when they're really just a lovely author who's written a good book and got some lovely reviews and, you know, and you know you can't get a response back from Amazon. It's the big business and the dollar chasing. Yep. So as authors, how are we going, what are we going to use? How are we going to get to our readership? Yeah, and look, you heard it here first on Rotor on the Road. We think there's a problem. (laughs) I had my beautiful, beautiful friend, and I think it's okay that I can mention her name because it's in a different industry. My beautiful friend, Maura Gamble, and she runs Permaculture Life, and she's Um, she puts out videos daily she puts out her newsletter daily she's prolific with her blog uh, and very very giving and when plants grow you've got to post daily and she just got kicked off she sent me a face message saying that she won't couldn't go back on facebook till the 5th of november because she got accused of being and she said i don't know why i got kicked off i said it's because they think you're clickbait (laughs) no well and this is way before this happened when i was setting up my facebook users five six years ago i went to jail four or five times facebook jail (laughs) i was quite proud of that but that's how i got my five and a half thousand followers by you know contacting people and doing all of this so okay everybody we need to think of a way i know snapchat is no longer popular even with kids uh, no, so Twitter, next <laughs> Twitter's gone to 280 characters and I couldn't even be bothered typing 140. Um, <laughs> Instagram, um, I heard at the conference on the weekend that it's lost its gloss uh, yeah. as well. Uh, so maybe good old-fashioned, I've got no idea, je ne sais quoi, I've got no idea. Annie, you're the marketer, help me out. Telephone. Let's Telephone. Let's talk to people face-to-face. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if I knew and you knew, We'd be best-selling authors. Yeah, oh, yeah aren't I? Aren't I a best-selling uh, yeah. author? Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. We'd sell a lot more books. Now, we would be able to access a lot more readers. I'll just say one more thing here about that. I did a, a library talk down in Kempsey about two or three weeks ago. Lovely, lovely bunch of readers, lovely ladies who bought a lot of my books. And they said, oh, these sound fabulous. We've never heard of you before. How do you tap into that market? How, you know, yep. how, how, how do you get people to hear about you? Well, I was just talking to this beautiful lady in New Zealand by the name of Judy Lorne who will have already been up on the podcast or will go up next week. I'm not sure which one yet. I don't know what I'm doing. But she goes around to markets 
Uh, she mm. runs her writing workshops every week and people just know of her. But that makes mm. it very hard if we want to get known in England. Yes. Yeah, I haven't heard of Judy Lawn. Mm. Yeah, I don't go to the markets in New Zealand. Yeah, you haven't been to the markets. That's what I said. <laughs> mm. uh, and look, there are so many authors out there. I guess we're relying a lot now on the. I notice you are up. Everybody, Annie is up for the best established author, author with Osram today. So maybe people like that would help. Uh, that's another marketing tool. I see it. I'm pleased to say that I've had wonderful support from my Facebook. Um, friends, I'm, I think I'm on 300 and last time I looked, not that I look obsessively every day, I was on 325 votes on that one, about 160 votes ahead of the person in second place, so that's nice, but again <laughs> She's not another, obsessive, everybody <laughs> It's another marketing tool you know, it's a way of getting your name out there maybe they'll click and go, oh, best established author I'll go and have a look and see what book she's written that's what it's all about, so yeah. it's very, very hard Yep, now I have to round this up very, very quickly because I've got to move along. Uh, I want to finish off, Annie, with if you're not going to give me your saga next, what is the next one out in your in your deep and meaningful books, in your in your single titles, which I've got to tell you that I, I really love everyone. We're talking about Kakadu, uh, Diamond Sky is the last one, Daintree had the most magic mm-hmm. cover. Is number four the Whit Sundays one? The Whit Sundays one, and um, it's. I'm just waiting to get my first round of edits back from HarperCollins on that, and that's when we'll then start talking titles. I worry that Whit Sundays is too touristy, but I have a feeling that the publisher is wanting me to stay with place names because I have had my Daintree and Kakadu place names, Diamond Sky not so much. Um, I've got a couple of titles that I'd like it to be, but I, I, I wanted to have a title so I can talk about it. It's out on the 20th of August next year. Yeah, and with Sundays, everybody, if you call it with Sundays, they'll put it on Hawaiian Airlines and you'll get lots of international sales. So you'll probably oh, that'll be okay. Yeah, you'll be forced, forced to go with Whit Sundays and they'll put it on, um, what is it, Hamilton Island in their bookshop and you'll, you'll do really well. They'll, everyone will buy it as a tourist, hey, tourist thing. Hey, I had a friend on Hamilton Island about six months ago and she messaged me on Facebook and said, I just found Kakadu Sunset in the shop on Hamilton Island. I went, yes, I've made Whit Sundays. <laughs> yep, and that's where your next one will have to go as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, I do, I do have to rush away. I'm sorry, Annie, as you know, I could talk to you all day i look forward to um, drinking champagne and getting in one of those sunset photos everybody that this woman trial is bay, i'll make sure for. you have the sunset in the background down at trial bay when we come and visit you down there in a few weeks time it's not that long away actually i hope it's been useful for read uh, listeners today um and that you picked up a few tips and tricks on what the market's all about and essentially how to balance your writing life yeah and look you heard it here first from Annie Seaton that she does have a balanced life uh it sounds like it's balanced on paper but to me Annie it still sounds like you are still achieving way above the mark when it comes to your passion of writing and your passion of getting it out there to your readers and looking after your readers which I think is probably one of the most important things absolutely yeah we'll have, yeah. and we'll have Annie back um, because I know where she lives and she is always full of lots and lots of good advice she's someone everyone who has got her results from doing the hard yards and and putting in the hours and I guess um, making the craft of writing her number one priority and she does have a husband I promise you all uh, we do hear about him occasionally as well so that's it from Annie Seaton down on the beautiful New South Wales coast of northern New South Wales and poor little old me podcaster extraordinaire uh, looking at the journey of writing as opposed to the end results uh, thank you Annie thanks for having me bye bye okay bye for now from Rotor on the Road